So get, getting a handle on this mind before it gets a handle on you. <laughs> How it can drag us and drive us into some very difficult places, stuck places, uh, places that we you know, may have been to many, many times and really want to not be, want to get out of, but don't seem to be able to do it, you know. Yeah. And so this can be the case when you just, um, you go to, you get into the topics, the stories, the narratives. <clears throat> These can be actually particular pieces of argument or discourse or discussion in your head or remember, or you can get into a particular mood tone you know, you get into a kind of grim mood tone or a depressed mood tone or a heated up, something like that, and you just get stuck in it. And the mind doesn't seem to kind of come out of that. It sort of, it easily locates itself in there. We easily locate. And that, of course, that's been happening for a while. Then the the default is that, you know, what I'm stuck in becomes what I am. You know, so particular <clears throat> habits, addictions, um, you know, complaints, fascinations that I've been through many, many times. You know, the mind, you know, you think, well, I should have got out of this by now. <laughs> but it, it doesn't quite work like that because uh, it becomes a habit, you know. So it's, it's the default, it's the easy way to go in a way the mind just slides in there pretty easy. <clears throat> so you'll be careful of that, watchful of that sense of feeling that if you just witness it long enough it will kind of slip out. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, um, depends on witnessing you mean by witnessing. You know. uh, certainly I've witnessed some things for a long time and uh, you get sort of, it becomes uh, mesmerized. Mm. You know, so he want to get easily goes there. So you know, um, how to come out of these, and really, rather than the topics or the or even you know the emotional themes, it's quite good to get a to get a sense of the energy. Your energy builds up or uh, just pulls and tugs. When you can actually, the samadhi approach, you find a place where energy feels stable and st- and steady, and you come back to that come out of the driven to the more restful you come out of the compulsive to the more spacious you come out of the harsh harshness which you know any kind of passion however delightful it is it's got a harsh energy to it it's a kind of rabid greedy grabbing you know however right right it is when we're getting righteous, however right we are, there's a harsh shrillness to it. When it becomes righteous, so you take the energy and think, well, hmm, wait a minute, it doesn't feel very good, it doesn't sit very well. Can I come to something that's a bit more balanced and centered and embodied? So that's the kind of samadhi approach, really. We don't really deal with the topics, we, we focus on the energy of it. Now, of course, you may have to deal with the topics to get to the energy of it. I mean, can this can this sense of rage or this sense of craving or a sense of worry, what's that feel like? And for this, you you refer to 
um, basically your body energy. You kind of realize you're really up, your chest is tight, or you're up in your head, or you've got a knot in your belly or something, or you're cramped up. And Well, can I just massage around the body and feel the whole body and soften, widen? <coughs> and that body energy will take the mind energy with it. Mm. Particularly if we use, say, breathing, then the body energy and the mental mind energy come together. You just breathe through your body, breathe your your you know your anxiety or your uh, craving, and it's kind of soften through the whole, so that the body kind of releases it because these um, passions, various kinds of a tightening up, they're sometimes called gun, gunta, which means a knot. Self view is a knot. For example, I am, I'm not, I am, I wish I was. Why aren't I? You know, you feel yourself tighten up in that. So this comes to the body energy, which is more the approach of samadhi. Softer, wider. Perhaps often down. You know, we tend to spin up to our heads, spin up and out. You want to come back and down. So going to the base of the body, the out-breath. You know, this kind of gesture always drawing energy back and down. You know, when it's passion, if it's dull, you probably want to bring it up, up to your, up to your chest and across your chest and widen, brighten. So you refer to the mind very much as, a, as an energy, and chitta as an energy. It's just the way of referring to it, actually. Mm. It's not actually in anything, really. Jitter is a real location. You could say it's where we happen to be at the particular time, where our centre happens to be at the particular time. So there's an energy associated with that, kind of firming up, um, you know, certain solidity to it. And there's often an ethical tone where you feel, um, you know, um, Basically, skillful state or an unskillful state. <coughs> so these, so you can reflect on on just the 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 skillful and the unskillful state, a sealer approach, samadhi approach. You focus on the more the energy of it. And panya, you recognize, you know, that uh, this is just panya is that which just knows this is what it is, and it's. You also, through that, you can reckon there's something bigger than that, something outside of that. So with Panya, we look very much into more the, you know, the structure of the mind. You know, how it happens, how chitta occurs, good or for bad. You know, you're looking very much just what is it, who am I, where am I at this particular time. Mm. And recognizing that where I am at a particular time is a location. You know, so I'm in a particular topic, I'm in a particular mood, I'm in a particular scenario. My life is this, I'm, a, I'm in being my little piece of my story right now. Here I am being, you know, da-da-da-da-da, defiled, benighted, 
they're good, can't make it, here I'm in that little kind of depressive me, and then I want to be with my helpful me, or, you know, so you look at just, it's a location, and in that location you feel the energy, and there are kind of activities that come around that, you know, there are struggles and joys and actions that come out of that center. This is chitta. It's, you could say it's the locus or the, the center point or the kind of hot spot of, of, of consciousness at any particular time. So without, if you recognize, you know, consciousness, I mean, awareness of sights, sounds, touches, we're not in all of them. You know, just imagine at any particular moment being aware of the whole lot. You know, everything you see, touch, feel, every thought. You know, you just, you don't do that. You know, what happens is generally we have a little bit, you know, basically of visual consciousness and we think. You know, close your eyes, it's just the thinking left. Thinking a bit of tactile, maybe some some sounds come in, but you don't get the so any particular time you know, out of the total possibility of of it's not that we don't you know of what we can be conscious of. We still got ears, we can still hear, we can still feel things through the skin. Any particular time, there's a selection, you know, of where we're going to be. You know, that selecting is a sankara. It's an action. It's a it's an action. It determines where you're going to be placed right now. So you're going to be in a thought, or you're going to be bodily sensation, or you can be swiveling between the two, thinking about a bodily sensation, kind of dick, 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 like that. You know, so it determines where you, where you, where you can be. That's the sankara, and that places the chitta somewhere. Places your centre of self, your apparent self, your locus somewhere. And of course, that sankara, that choice, is often very blurred. You know, it's more or less just barged into, pushed into, by what interests at the particular moment. And it's really when you get down to retreat times, when there's not so much going on, then you can find yourself locking into particular pieces of the total scenario, getting obsessed about, getting a bit obsessive about my bird feeder these days. Never thought about feeding birds before, now I'm getting a bit of a thing about it. Different kinds of bird feeders, where I want to hang them, saying, come on, come out of this now. (laughs) But I must, you know, I'm pleased that I don't sit all day meditating on my bird feeder, but, you know, I've got out of it that much. Uh, so, you know, you just kind of particular piece that becomes a thing for you on a retreat or certain things. Big things, you need food on retreats. Yeah. You know, you take something out and it becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. Something to do or to plan or, of course, meditation. You know, you can meditate, study. A particular thing becomes very... <coughs> theme of the time or a particular piece of of you know your your your, your stock attitudes you suddenly realize you've got 
wouldn't, you know, things about how you are in the group or your sense of individuality or whether you want to be a nun or a monk or whatever, that becomes a topic and your mind goes into that. You know, something like that. So there's this sankara shifts your attention into something. And, uh, but that's only a part, it's only a point, isn't it? So one of the recognizing, one of the delights or one of the interesting things we can do is we come to the, out of the detail into the big picture, we kind of drop the topic and come back to opening up, widening. You come to the general field of consciousness, like, where we are. You know, sights, sounds, thoughts, feelings, possibles, potentials, good, bad, happy. Oh, you know, you kind of widen. And you come out of the particular topic, you just kind of widen. So that, you know, when we, if we do that, there's a sense of relief. Release from the particular point we have to be stuck in or focused on. And of course this can be skillful. You know, often humour is associated with that, isn't it? You know, you really entrenched in a particular thing and suddenly you see the big picture and you see your little self getting caught up in something goodness and you come to a big picture where you feel oh that was just that you know and you laugh at it you come to the if it's of course if the big picture is safe of course terror is the other one (laughs) if the big picture isn't safe you come out of your little hidey you know it's a little warm place and suddenly in a big don't know void and oh, the big picture is frightening. But just notice we can come from a particular point in our mind that seems to be full of juice, full of something or the other, and we can lift out of that into something bigger. And chitta is, you see, that any particular moment is the hot spot or the interest point within mind consciousness, but you can open that, you can come out of that to a larger sphere. And this is the you know, this is the panya or discernment faculty that knows whatever you're in, you're not. You know, it's a so anatta, you know. Whatever you're in, whatever you think you are, you're not really. As a sankara has taken you there, but you're not really there. You you you're 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 really there as long as you keep getting into it and evolve with it, yeah, then you, you can be there if you want to be there. Or, you know, if you, if you don't really want to be, but if you're sankharad into it, if you're, if you're form, formed into it, you take your jitta, takes a stand upon it, that's where you'll be. You know? But there's a choice. Um, sometimes it's a choice we can't quite see. And yet we have teachings that say, well, just come back to present moment, here we are. Relax. So relaxing softens the push of the sankara. Oh, the bell rings, and wow, where have I been? You know, or the particular piece of the picture, you know, of what you think you are, suddenly falls away, and you realise, oh, I'm not that. Hmm? You come to something bigger. This is quite lovely soft openness about that. So this is the kind of transcending gesture, transcending movement, isn't it? You know, on this and then, oh, that was just something I've been embroiled in and doing, 
Life can be bigger than that. And there can be some sense of relief, humor, joy, uh, dispassion comes from that kind of function. So in a way we come out of the sankhara that's, you know, that's locating the, the chitta, locating us into a particular thing, a particular form. We come to something, something bigger. Of course, that isn't by any means the end of the story because pretty, you know, within a blink of an eye, you know, we relocate into something else. And wherever we relocate, we, you know, isn't necessarily bad or unskillful or immoral or, you know, useless, but just know it's that location there's an energy to it so there are many places we can be and we come to good places where energy builds up there's interest there's enthusiasm there's and then then we create karma good karma and there will be a result to that yeah. and there's a certain bondage in that or we create bad karma as a result of that and a certain bondage to that or we create what's called imperturbable, that is uh, like a state of samadhi, where it feels really solid, and as a result of that. Yeah. So even those samadhi states are locations, and the Buddha said, if you want to be anywhere, these are the best places to be. You know? These are the best places to be. <clears throat> he goes through these kind of various jhanic, and formless realms, this is the best place to cling to if you want to cling anywhere, if you want to be located. But, <laughs> what I say is deathlessness is, is the release of the mind from this particular clinging, this habit, this sankara of, I am this, this is where I am, you know. And uh, naturally, there's an attraction to having a location because the energy feels uh, composed, steady, you know, it feels, if it's a good location, it was kind of steady. And in fact, this is kind of what we do, since till the mind is very well exercised, it, you know, it, it can't really sustain that transcendent leap, which at a moment, you know, when we see that kind of jumping out from a particular position into, and then pretty, pretty quickly we land somewhere else. You know, you come out of a thought, and you come back into your bodily sense. Oh, here we are. You come out of a particular unpleasant feeling and you come to some kind of quality of warmth or softness. Yeah. You come out of a grudge and you come to a place of forgiveness or love, or something like that. So you, this is the point, you know, we come to a new location. And generally there's, there's so much jump in the mind that it, it it can't you know it can't really do much else it jumps and lands it jumps and lands it seeks land it's not a choice it's a kind of it's it's the way it is and it's really only through practice you begin to get the sense of almost the intermediary you know that is when the jump gets slower we don't jump quite so fast and when you're discernment faculty 
So the, you slow it. That's what samadhi does. It tends to slow the jumping down. Sila and samadhi slow it down, and they give it better places to land, which are less reactive and less enmeshing. So the landing is lighter, and the jump isn't quite so frantic. So you get a chance to somehow sense this moment, you could say, when the mind lifts. Yeah. And then, you know, it can be a, a point whereby we doesn't have to land. This is kind of called relinquishment, patinitsaka, you know, thoroughly giving up a location. Not exactly uh, an easy matter or a, or a choice, just something that can occur through through the process of recognizing the mind begins to something in us begins to recognize where every land doesn't last very long. First of all, there's some pretty horrible places to land. Let's not go there. There's some pretty gluey places to land. I don't want to go there. The very fact of jumping around gets a bit tedious. And we begin to sense this kind of way that the mind can, oh, let go. And you focus on the, let, the letting go element, you might say, the non, the, that element. It becomes a, so that that, which seem, doesn't seem to be anything at all, actually becomes almost like a kind of presence. You know, because it feels cool and spacious. So, <clears throat> but you know, the Buddha he taught this anapanasati. Then he, you know, looks at that, and it's not a, not a you know not an immediate process or process. That that can be uh, kind of it can be induced through through various uh, these various um, practices. So the body, feeling the body, sensing the body, feeling into the body, calming, soothing the body. It gives you a very a way of of coming out of the thoughts and of the most difficult um, you might say emotional places or reactive places which always have this effect of spinning us out into various uh, you know mind states such as doubt, worry uh, greed aversion body doesn't have doubt doesn't have worry, doesn't have greed, doesn't have aversion. So you see breathing it into the, the, the meat, the substance, the felt presence of body. Mm-hmm. You know, coming back into that. And we begin to, through that, begin to sense the mind as a, as a kind of, you know, we sense the energetic aspect of mind, of our location, of chitta, where the mind is pushy, harsh, sluggish, you know, and through massage, bringing into the body, the body bodily presence kind of massages it. Mm-hmm. 
and then you sort of, you know, you have to work it out really because what is is important there are these enlightenment factors, mindfulness and investigation and energy. They those three, as you work with, if they work skillfully, they'll they'll take you to a place of this sense of an uplifted, or rapturous or buoyant state. So you have to kind of balance it. Yeah. Because if there's too much um, investigation, it tends to make you just worried, worried and, and restless. Yeah. So, too much energy tend to get kind of pushy or or forceful. Not enough energy kind of get um, stale. So we have to work it out because uh, it's not easy to say. You know. When anybody's mix is different, or we can find ourselves feeling, oh, you know, be more relaxed, be more relaxed, be more relaxed. Yeah, but then you're kind of sitting there sort of drooping or or not really tackling anything. No, more, less relaxed, a bit more alert. <laughs> investigate, investigate. But then a point in which investigation just becomes too much thinking and, and restless. So when is it skillful to, to just just bear something in mind? So kind of so it's where the energy I think is an important reference. You, know, you get the whole picture of it because it should as it blends. It should come to somewhere where you, where the energy is coming together, and that's that's the experience of of, of buoyant rapture. It's a sort of lift gentle lift and it's not suddenly you know it's all dark and then suddenly it's all bright generally this kind of gets murky and you can feel some sense of a little bit more bounce a little bit more lift in it it doesn't weigh you down you focus on that quality and the you know the the attitudes the efforts the relaxing the focusing the themes that lead towards that more lifted lighter state and it, you know, gradually it doesn't suddenly well for me it doesn't suddenly kind of bang it's a, it's a slow lift rather like the tide coming in and it could be the end of an out breath it could be the end of an in breath it could be something like that or it could be just the you know a moment when the mind loosens up a bit you know, it comes out of its intensities or its tensions. Oh, oh, there. So it's rather like balancing. You know, you swing one way, you swing the other way, and you just keep recognizing there's a point where it starts to sort of... Hmm? And that is a helpful reference because once we sense that, you know, and it's kind of resting more in that, then the citta sankara is a kind of go for it energy, make something energy starts to relax because you've got something. You are in a pleasant location, so you don't need to keep making new destinations, new thoughts, new ideas, new memories, new moods. You're actually in a place that feels good so the citta sankara softens and calms and that's you know 
part of the part of the map the Buddha presents. So, in sensitive to the mind, you begin to sense the mind as a kind of as an energy. Sometimes you can sense it as a knowingness. Hmm? Knowingness, knowingness, energy. Recognize that these are the two aspects that do, you know, they're they're the raw materials that get, that sankharas are about. You know, those, that quality of knowing becomes a viewpoint. You know, so it gets, it gets concocted into, into views and attitudes. The quality of energy gets concocted into forms, into mental forms, into um, mood states, such as heavy, um, urgent, uh, rushing, uh, stale. Mm. So this is like the raw material of mind can be seen as both a view or a tendency to have a view or a tendency to uh, occupy and to, to take on a particular state or substance. So then really what you're looking for, you know, as you focus on this quality of mind is, is relaxing the view. Just make the view be something of knowing, onlooking knowing. Yeah. This itself isn't, it's quite a step, isn't it? Most of us, we see something with some particular, something really starts going on it liking it, choosing it, speculating about it. We just can't practice that. Practice just on-looking knowing. You know, it takes you to the bigger picture, doesn't it? Knowing, you know, means knowing happy, unhappy, speedy, stagnant, sleepy, bright, passionate, cool, you can focus on a particular faculty like that and, and just witnessing you know, all these things come and go and change. You know, and you're not any one of them. But, of course, viewing, witnessing, I don't think works by itself. So also that quality of feeling the energy of it and looking for where it feels more joyful, more happy, more comfortable, more settled. So, as it said, you know, gladdening, lifting, enjoying, cheering up, encouraging the mind, apipamodam, giving it some sense of light, some sense of buoyancy. Mm-hmm. You start to, you know, cultivating that, focusing on where you feel more comfortable and less comfortable. <laughs> you know. You're finding a good address. <laughs> yeah. And then also witnessing, yeah, it's just this, isn't it? It's this. This has come together. Stabilizing, steadying the mind, releasing the mind. Releasing the mind by recognizing wherever we are, it's just somewhere that's been concocted or somewhere that's come together through sankhara, through choosing, through affirming, through getting into it, through taking hold of it, 
through turning away from other things. Good thing, you know, could be good, could be bad. We choose the good yeah, to make it possible to learn enough and to develop enough to give up choosing. Sometimes we talk, people talk about uh, choiceless awareness. Um, it, I don't, you know, it's a bit of a colloquial term, so exactly what specifically it's referring to is not certain, but, you know, a lot, quite a lot of awareness is choiceless, but it doesn't, you know, or it's not deliberately chosen. But it doesn't mean it's skillful. It can be choicelessly crazy, choicelessly manic, I mean, there's quite a few people in mental homes who've got their not through choice. <laughs> you know, choicelessly psychotic. So just because we're not deliberately choosing doesn't mean that some choice isn't being made on an un- on a unmitigated, unnegotiated level. We're driven. You know, we're knocked into it. We're grabbing. Um, so really, choice is awareness if it's useful at all, comes to when those underlying tendencies towards fear, towards bitterness, towards despair, towards craving, are actually given up. Not when the surface, you know, deciding what to do is given up. That's the wrong kind of choicelessness. Mm-hmm. It's a choice this is someone falling over a cliff. You know, he may possibly land at something soft. <laughs> Bouncy. You know? We're pretty we're pretty fortunate beings. So a lot of the time we don't we don't suffer that much damage. But sometimes you can really lose it. So the point is that uh, the where is the mind impelled? And that's what we learn through recognizing the locations that we get established in, particularly when we haven't decided to. That's with telling you where the unmitigated, the unnegotiated, the latent tendencies are. You know? But then you, that, that's the wake-up, isn't it? And... Uh, you know, why we, we meditate, some of it's very humbling. You know, see the kind of places where one's latent, one's underlying tendencies, which are not personal, they're not chosen, they're not about being a bad person, they're just about vipaka, old karma, old tendencies laid down, and we, you know, close your eyes and boom, 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 and then, you know, Going into you know places that actually in your waking in your kind of more functioning consciousness you don't tend to go to you know? so while we we de- definitely need to make the choices that help to um, you know resolve these and part of it the trick of it or part of the tricky bit is they have to become conscious. 
in order to uh, clear them. So, so where samadhi alone doesn't do it because samadhi takes you into a location where if it gets very strong, these, these latent tendencies don't get their heads in. You seal off. You know, so it can be a place of some considerable delusion. You know, pretty sealed off, you know, a nice bubble. Hey, I cracked it, you know, I'm out of here. Well, in fact, one isn't out of here, you're just, you're in a, you're out of there, but you're in here. <laughs> you know, we, we are embedded in something else. That isn't necessarily wrong or bad, but just notice that. Um, this is the best place to be, but, you know, reckon how we got there is important, whether we've actually just kind of um, suppressed a lot of things, yeah. or start to adopt a view about ourselves through be, being calm or steady and recognizing you really need to be aware of these you know allow these kind of more latent tendencies to be noticed yeah. and simply speaking latent tendency towards passion towards aversion towards views towards being something towards a sense of identity identifying with, holding on to. And you, your practices of things like samadhi are then are the, are not to be discarded, but they, are, they give you the kind of backing where the mind is firm to recognize here you are getting into a kind of a tight space or a fluttery space, or and, oh, you come out of that, you've got this you can go to. So within, you know, that, that samadhi experience, as you, as you relax a little bit, you know, you can sense these things coming up and then you've got a way to understand them, to witness them and to come out of them. And it's through, through seeing them manifest and, and actually deliberately or consciously understanding and discarding them that they, they start to wither away. Mm-hmm. You know, you say you kind of go through the kitchen, you know, in your pretty steady state of mind, and then you go through the food line, and the boom, 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 suddenly, you know, you've got to come back with about eight kilos of food in your bowl. Hey, what happened there? <laughs> so you're, the next day, you take it more slowly. And just witness what happens when your visual consciousness picks something up and you're suddenly there. You know, you're embedded in an, in an eyeball. Your eye disappears into a plate of spaghetti. You know, and you just become that plate of spaghetti which suddenly is kind of lustrous and wonderful and, and often looks pretty good. Food's about. So you're just kind of, you're coming out of that. You recognize you know, clearly when you come through that, you know, you were okay before, you're quite balanced before the meal, you're okay. Do you, you know, do you have to go through this scenario of getting wound up and then feeling unhappy and then feeling, making a big problem on it and then feeling bad for the rest of the day? Do you want to go through that again? (laughs) Or can you just 
notice that kind of moment of desire arising, taking the mind about to pick it up, pick up the desire, the glow, the pull of it, and then you know that pull, you know that glow, and just widen, come back, widen, don't have an attitude about the desire, don't kind of add something to it, just feel that pull and come back. You know, like feeling your feet, your hands come back into your body, come into a wider picture. So you get that sense of, and in that, as you as you let go, then, at that particular moment, then you get the understanding. You know, first of all, the understanding is just an idea. Then you get the real personal understanding, where you get the feeling of of freedom. Mm. Comes after you've let go. So the understanding that comes before you let go is very much conceptual and acquired. The understanding that comes after letting go is the important one. You get the real feeling of... Because it's not about spaghetti and it's not about any particular topic. It's about understanding the nature of of desire and clinging. Feeling it out. Feeling how it dissolves itself. Don't feed it, it dissolves itself. You don't really have any desire. <coughs> Your mind doesn't have any desire <laughs> or clinging or aversion, but it goes there because it's used to going there, it's used to picking that up. That's the sankara, but essentially, it doesn't have it. But there's a kind of movement towards it. The sankara, the view, the interest in it, the, the issues about it, the heat of it. You know, it's like a hypnotist's pendulum. And we go there. So getting a taste for the undesirable, or the, the not desire, you know, which is nibbana, comes through really understanding the nature of desire. And that, so we, you know, you work on, could be aversion, you know, I'd say desire, I mean, basically sankara itself, the kind of pull, push thing. And the desire never gets anything. It doesn't begin anywhere, it doesn't end anywhere. It's just the taxi. It's just the link. It's the, piece of the it's the jumping piece so when you land that desire's gone hasn't it there's something else happens feeling of regret feeling of where's the next one but that bit of desire didn't get it didn't get what it was desiring just as soon as you got there that desire dissolved And then another one came up. So desire doesn't get anywhere. If you try to see where it begins, it begins with kind of forgetting, losing, you know, losing a place of space, place of openness, a place of, of steadiness. It begins with that kind of shift. We lose track, and then it jumps. This jump occurs. 
They just, you know, as I recognize it, the, uh, you know, the conviction of, of desire when it when I haven't full, when I haven't got it, when a moment it being unfulfilled, it's the most convincing thing in the world. I will be happy. Things will be all right. I will be. It will be useful. I will get. You know. And as soon as I've done it, followed it, so <laughs> but that that piece isn't noticed because once one lands, the next one you go to the next kind of inclination moves on. So just kind of witnessing that the kind of falling away of that the way the energy changes from that very bright, intense, sharp as you jump, and then when you land. On the object to desire, it sort of, uh, it sort of dissipates. So we need to get gripped and formed into something else. When you massage your your mental energy, you don't really want that particular process of being seized and then dumped and then dissipating. Seize, dump, dissipate, which is the process of desire. You're going to feel it out. But you don't have to have an attitude, you know, if you just really, you know, because that, that adds more to it. Just kind of watching that process, it, it, it loses flavor. It's called nipita, it means literally doesn't, doesn't dig in there. It's like you lose the taste, the taste fades through, through that witnessing Witness, witnessing with um, a sense of firmness, a sense of holding, a sense of attention with the investigation. Yeah. So, and witnessing in the what's happening in where the, where we are, mind is witnessing cause and effect. So you see the the you know. Mind and it, and the the location of our sense of being, you know, is, is always the vipaka, the results of the actions of habits of energies of what we've been acclimatized into in the past. It's like that. You know, it's not self. It's just addresses that we've got used to being in. We go so many times, we've lived there for 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, on and off. Familiar. And these are the, so, and then upon the, we go there and the mind then generates more notation around that, more, furnishes it a little bit more. Your apartment in Sangsara gets more and more wallpaper, more and more cushions, more and more whatever. But it's not that you can't, you obviously we all have this, we parker, this result, these residues, these places. So, you know, but seeing them, understanding them much more as a sense of a, a location than a person. And then the, the shape, the feeling of it, the energy of it, and getting wider. If it's a tight place, get bigger than that. 
if it's a it's an impulsive place, get relaxed, more relaxed than that. If it's a very uh, dull place, get brighter than that. Get get out of your apartment energetically. So you begin to sense the mind's ability to be freed. You know? and it's that's the, you know, that's the that's the that's the property the. The, the letting go element, you could say, that becomes the main theme of our practice, whether we're whatever we're doing. And for this, you need to know and handle the energy of the mind, the ethical intention of the mind, and the discernment of the mind. Its ability to reflect, review, witness. This is this. Is this it? Is there something else in this? Am I getting embedded in this? Is there some space around this? Sila, Samadhi, Panya are the practices that we bring into our meditation in a very focused and fine way. <laughs>